population of London grew at a rapid rate in the 19th century, and the city soon ran out of places to bury its dead. The answer was the creation of huge suburban cemeteries around the edge of the capital. Their grand monuments and more modest headstones connect us directly to the past, giving us compelling clues to fascinating lives. One local historian, Mike Gilfoyle, has made it his mission to uncover some of the extraordinary tales that lie behind the epitaphs at the Brockley and Ladywell Cemetery in South East London. More than 150,000 people are thought to have been buried in this leafy, peaceful resting place. Some famous in their day, some infamous, many deserving recognition once again. These are the stories behind the London epitaphs. Close to the busy Broccoli Road, just over the other side of the old cemetery wall, lies a gravestone bearing the names of two sisters. I find it a very poignant memorial. These two women between them changed the face of early years education, and although not native South Londoners, their names are strongly associated with this part of the world. Many local children are particularly familiar with the name of Margaret Macmillan. Coming across it on school trips to the country's first ever purpose-built outdoor centre based in Kent. The sisters were tireless campaigners who got things done and their resting place is fitting given how much they helped improve the lives of young people in the area. In the politically tumultuous years of the turn of the last century, when women were fighting for the vote and socialism was gaining a foothold, the two sisters themselves were at the centre of a movement for change and social justice. Margaret and Rachel were in fact born in New York, their parents having emigrated from Scotland. When their father and sister died of scarlet fever in 1865, their distraught mother brought them back home to Inverness where they were educated at the high school. After school, Margaret, the younger of the two, was then sent off to train as a governess. Meanwhile, her sister was taking an active interest in new socialist ideas particularly the Christian branch of socialist thinking. When the two young women were reunited, they decided to base themselves in Bradford, where they felt that they could make a positive difference in the lives of the poor. Years later, Margaret would describe her shock at seeing the poverty and misery they encountered in the deprived areas of the city. The condition of the poorer children was worse than anything that was described or painted. It was a thing that this generation is glad to forget. The neglect of infants, the utter neglect almost of toddlers and older children, the blight of early labour, all combined to make of a once vigorous people a race of undergrown and spoilt adolescents. It was in Bradford that the sisters started to crystallise their ideas about children's welfare and the strong connection between intellectual and physical growth. Schools not only needed to supply teaching, but also decent sanitation and meals, they argued. Margaret and Rachel eventually relocated to London where they joined the newly formed Labour Party and worked closely with its founder, Keir Hardy. Margaret had already written several books and pamphlets on early childhood, but it was in London that she wrote her most important work, Education Through Imagination. The sisters were campaigners first and foremost, hands-on activists who taught and ran schools as well as spreading theories of good practice. 
They led the campaign for school meals, eventually convincing Parliament to legislate on the issue. Margaret opened the country's first school clinic in Ball, followed by a similar one in Deptford. It served several schools in the area, providing, among other things, dental and surgical care. The sisters also created a so-called night camp, where children from slum areas could come and wash and put on clean night clothes. The sisters felt strongly that young children needed space to run around and get exercise, and in 1914 they started an open-air nursery school and training centre in Peckham. These became known as camp schools, where children played, ate and even slept outdoors because of the strong conviction that it was good for their health. The children did not have to sit any examinations and there was no formal instruction to their day. Instead, they were given all the time and opportunity to run around and feel the sun and wind on their skin and explore nature. Young children needed good food, said the sisters, with balanced meals being a necessity for learning. Margaret suffered a terrible blow in March 1917 when Rachel, who had been suffering from ill health for some time, died. The two women's lives had been intertwined for so long. They had been suffragists together and both took part in the famous Match Girls strike. They had attended heated political meetings by the Fabian Society. They had worked side by side in slums and developed their ideas about education and well-being. And they had lived together, lodging in a house in Bromley. Now Margaret had to press on a lawn. She named her pioneering first camp school the Rachel Macmillan Nursery School in honour of her sister and is still there today, serving the community of Deptford. Margaret's idea was that only qualified personnel should work with children aged from three to six. She insisted that they take a three-year course to reach the right level of professionalism. She succeeded in opening a training centre named the Rachel Macmillan College in 1930, and it went on to supply teachers for the entire British Commonwealth, as well as for the early nursery schools in the United States. The eminent playwright, George Bernard Shaw, was one of the visiting lecturers to the college. Margaret died a year after the college was opened. She had been in a nursing home in North London, but was brought back to be laid to rest aside her beloved sister. In fact, the inscription Margaret had originally put on the headstone for Rachel had read my darling sister. Now Margaret's name was placed beneath Rachel's with the inscription, Friend of All Children. George Bernard Shaw paid tribute to Margaret, the tireless campaigner, with fondness and familiarity. She was not only one of the best women of her time, but was also one of the most cantankerous, and she owed a great deal of her effectiveness to the latter useful quality. Margaret was effective. With her sister, she developed approaches to educating the very young that are still with us today. When I give tours around the cemetery, I'm often charmed to see flowers left by children at the graveside, and sometimes asked to translate the inscription at the bottom of the sister's gravestone, Miseris Sucurere Disco. It means simply, I endeavour to help those in need and is also the motto of the Macmillan clan, a sentiment that became the guiding principle for Margaret and Rachel Macmillan.
London Epitaphs was brought to you by Tempest Productions. To all neath the red, white and blue That one man shall not rule another Unless by that other's consent Is the principle deep underlying The framework of this government So as woman is punished for breaking The laws which she cannot gainsay Let us give her a voice in the making Or ask her no more to obey Than to justice let's ever be true To each citizen render his due Equal rights and protection forever To all need the red, white and blue